Welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Picciuto, and I'm very excited to have my very new friend, the wonderful Lynette Blanche. Lynette, how are you? I'm doing great. It's so nice to meet you, and thank you for having me on. Oh, I'm so excited to have you on. Um, Can you give a quick introduction to who you are for the listeners? I'm Lynette. I live in New York City, and I work in marketing and advertising by day. And as you know, I'm also a photographer on the side, mostly street photography, um, although recently been sort of dabbling in landscape. But yeah, uh, that's that's me in a nutshell. So funny story that we sort of realized before we hit the, the record button was I've actually seen Lynette out on the streets because to my knowledge, she is the only female street photographer who shoots with a medium format Hasselblad, which so fucking cool. I own the same camera. I've never like maybe twice I've gone to shoot with my Hasselblad for street photography and I failed so miserably. So mm-hmm. from from a starting perspective, I would love for you to talk me through your process on how you take an incredibly slow process and an incredibly slow camera and create mm-hmm. fucking beautiful, beautiful images. Thank you, first of all, for saying that. Um, You know, it's interesting because photography is fairly new to me. So I really just used to walk around with my iPhone and it was other photographer friends who used to say, like, you really should be shooting with a camera. And I'm like, I don't even know how to use a camera. Like, I wouldn't even know where to begin. And a friend actually said, take my Hasselblad. And I was like, I don't, what? Um, Take it for a month and just play around with it, (laughs) literally. And that turned into a year of me having his camera. And so I actually learned on that camera. And so you're not the first person to ask that question. And I've actually been stopped on the street. Actually, it was Daniel Arnold who said, you shoot street photography with a Hasselblad? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, I hate that thing. It's so hard to load. Um, Which I thought was really funny. Yeah, well, I don't mean... He just was kind of talking about how he every time he loads it, he feel like he, he always makes a mistake or he doesn't load it properly. And who knows if that's still true. But um, I think it really just came down to the fact that it was the camera I learned on. Mm-hmm. So it was so familiar to me after the year that, you know, it just it became second nature to me. I didn't have to think about it in the same way, actually, that I see other people with their 35 millimeter cameras and I'm always like oh my gosh how do you focus so quickly like that's how I am with my Hasselblad um but yeah it's it's just it's it's something I know I don't think about it anymore I mean it's I obviously will be linking your Instagram to the show notes below, but the I, I spent a good hour this morning going through your Instagram and I was like wait a second these can't possibly all be shot on i mean some of them you like wrote canon or whatever right but i'm like i just don't understand how i mean these are decisive moments these are rapidly you know evolving scenes and you're doing it with a hasselblad right so there's no light meter there's a very slow focusing throw (laughs) it is an incredibly manual process and these images are are wonderful um so talk to me like what made you pick up the camera in the first place you were shooting with an iphone and you were like i want to just expand my horizons. Someone was like, these iPhone pictures are good. And here's my Hasselblad. Yeah, it was honestly the encouragement of friends. I mean, I, I'll be honest, there are still days where I, I feel like I have a little bit of imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because I admire photographers and people who are classically trained or who went to school. So there was a part of me that always felt like you don't have the permission to call yourself that. Um, and so it was actually a mentor of mine more recently who was like, 
this is the issue is that people, you know, particularly women who do that, they lack the confidence to claim the thing that they are. She's like, well, you make pictures, you are a photographer. So, you know, um, I picked it up simply the way that I sort of was just talking about, which is it was friends. I had a couple people DM me on Instagram and they would be like, what lens are you using? And I was like an iPhone 10 (laughs) (laughs) and they were like, no way, you know, and um, it was an editor who said, you know, you, you would be uh, a good cinematographer or like you have an interesting like director of photography. eye. sometimes some of your scenes like are read out of a movie. And, And it was also because oftentimes in stories I would post like videos or, you know, scenes from the city that sort of went with the photography from the day. And then, like I said, it was um, a very good friend who is actually does a lot of portrait photography who said, I'm going to bring in my camera and I want you to just take it. Mm-hmm. And I was paranoid because I was like, this is an expensive camera. Like, yeah. I don't know the first thing about the technical aspects of it, how to use it. I had no idea like what it meant when someone's like aperture or F1. And so I spent so much of that time on YouTube for one, um, same, same at BNA. <laughs> yeah, at yeah. BNH. Um, and then there was a lot of it that it, it's funny. Like I think back to my first roles, I was blind shooting sometimes. Like I don't, I didn't even really know that I was supposed to be thinking about light. I was just truly trying to figure out like how to even just focus the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, you know, over time, as you start spending a, a, a exorbitant amount of money (laughs) (laughs) you learn very quickly that those things matter um but you know honestly in the beginning it was truly exploratory and that's that is how i started is someone just really said you've got to take this camera and and explore it sorry experiment with it how how long ago was this fall of 2018 oh wow so this is fairly recent that's awesome do you think there so like you, you touched upon imposter syndrome and you know sort of the the trials that a female photographer comes into in the space and obviously not something that I could personally relate to um, but I can from an imposter syndrome perspective because I think of myself as a fraud 17 times on a daily basis um, mm-hmm. do you think that's compounded with the fact that you were super new to the space and maybe don't have any female photographer friends mm-hmm. yeah definitely the newness is real Um, again, I think it was because having worked in a creative environment and with creative people and creative leaders that I am so inspired by, there was a little bit of like, how dare you call yourself something that you didn't put the time and the sweat and the work into. Um, and you know, had a very good creative director, one of the first early in my career in advertising, who was phenomenal photographer, uh, Wyatt Newman. And, you know, there were times when I would think of him, like for some reason I always associated him mentally with photography. And I was like, how, how crazy is it for me to think I can put myself in a category with someone like that? Oh yeah. So I think that was part of it. Um, and the, and the other part to your point is true. You don't actually see, I think more now, but you don't see a lot of women out or if they are, you know, like myself, maybe we shoot alone, which I think is actually probably true for photographers in general. But, um, you know, I actually sought out a mentor after doing it for about a year. And I specifically looked for a female photographer, a very experienced and seasoned photographer, uh, 
who uh, I wanted to work with for that very reason. It's just, I think, one, because I wanted it to be a woman who was sort of teaching me and guiding me, but also, I think, to, to find a community and a network of other women photographers that I could, you know, uh, I don't know, just Bond with, create a yeah. community with. Yeah. Yeah, partner with. That's mm-hmm. awesome. And I, the community aspect of things is something that I'm super passionate about because I've sort of just really just in the last few months started to find my community of people like in the space, like, and it's mostly been through places like Twitter and sort certainly Instagram to a lesser extent, but I've been able to kind of find this group of people who I can have relatable conversations with about things like imposter syndrome and things that I'm struggling with creatively. Um, and it's made a, a market advancement in just my desire to go out and create work, right? Like just in, in general, being able to like relay that sort of stuff um, with other people and, and know that they're experiencing the same things helps quite a bit. Um, you're almost four years into your journey. Um, do you still, when you're out there, struggle with things like imposter syndrome? Do you still lack confidence in, in your art? Definitely. I think about it all the time. I still struggle with, I mean, even going into this conversation, I thought I'm not really like that interesting. Like, I don't even know what I'm going to talk about. I feel almost like embarrassed to be having a conversation and positioning myself as a photographer, like already sort of going through that same script of self doubt. Um, And was actually talking through it this morning with a friend and she's like, you have got to stop. So yeah, I, I absolutely still struggle with it every day. Yeah. I, I, I've gotten a lot better with it because, you know, I had a very good now good friend uh, in the space, like explain something to me, like, it's really hard to compare your chapter one with someone else's hundredth chapter of their book, right? So like, I'm super new, I'm, I'm doing this out of the love of the art. And if I keep telling myself that I suck, or I can't do it, I'm never going to get better, I'm never going to grow. Um, and it's one of those things that like, when you stop comparing yourself to other people and just work and focusing on your own work that you grow. And, and I, I've been able to get super comfortable in the, in the stuff that I create. Um, but I'm, I'm super curious in, in, in relation to that, like how do you identify and, or, um, you know, compartmentalize things like social media, right? Like we met on Twitter, we met on a Twitter space. We're talking about NFT photography. Um, and I'm super curious what your relationship is like with social media and sort of the pressures to create work and post work and share work and, uh, what that relationship looks like for you. Sure. Yeah. I think traditionally or historically, my desire to see growth and engagement on social media, I think like many people who used Instagram in the past was like, you, it's not that I was seeking personal validation, but certainly of the work. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh man, this picture got, you know, a hundred or a thousand likes. Like, that's a signal to me that, you know, I've done something right. I think we all have fallen into that trap. I think what I love about, you know, the last, like I'd say year or so actually, is I see that more and more people don't care. You can hide your light counts. Like I did get to a point, I think actually when I met with my mentor, um, Golnara, where like I actually did stop caring because I was like, there's such a vast, world and so many different interests actually we, we, we won't talk about nfts yet but like nfts actually underpins that for me is like the world is so big people's interests are so vast the things that they like are so vast there's no way that what you create is going to be for everyone mm-hmm. so like 
who cares? Just create the thing you want to create and the thing that you love. Do it in your own way. And the people who like your work or want to follow you are going to find you. I love that. Yeah, I think that's such like a crucial uh, framing of like your 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 passion, your 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 drive, right? The reason why you create is not for other people, it's for yourself. I got caught in the totally. same trap where, you know, like I'll post a photo and I'll get like 13 likes and I'll be like, what the fuck? Like, I know this is better than that, right? And then you right. go down the rabbit hole furthering that self-doubt, that imposter syndrome. But yeah, it, it has been nice over the last couple of months. I've started to feel very secure in in my craft and the thing that I do. Um, and, and it's honestly, I, like, I understand that you're, you're relatively new. We're kind of in the space at the same time, but your work is incredible. And I, I, you know, aside from like counts and follower counts and all that bullshit that doesn't really matter, I, I think you'd be able to look at your work pragmatically and think, wow, these are like importantly detailed, wonderful, great street photos. And like that, does that speak to you? Like, do you believe that now? Like, even when you look back at like 2018 pictures, 2019 pictures? Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. I, I go back and forth. Um, one of the reasons I actually wanted to get a mentor was because I went to a photo exhibition as a street photographer's exhibition. And as I was going through the wall, it was like the next photo, like cl clearly it was curated perfectly. So it was like every next photo like really did build upon the last. And you sort of felt the cadence of how it was sort of unfolding. And, you know, these pictures were classic street photos, but it, they moved you. I was like, man, this is so good. Like, how is this person just taking a photo of the same, like, quote unquote, mundane moments, right? Um, that we're all drawn to, but they've managed to make me feel something. Like, how do I do that? And I couldn't figure it out because I'm like, they're not doing anything else. It's like, they're still shooting the street too, but something in there is a special. And I was like desperate to seek that out. And that's actually what inspired me to reach out to my mentors. I was like, I want to know how I can build what I'm doing in my eye and develop a sense for that, that moment. How do I know that? Of course, I believe part of it is instinct, but I also truly believe now more than ever that part of it is also really stopping and thinking about the thing that you're trying to make. Mm. Again, everyone's style is different. There are people who, you know, as they say, spray and pray. <laughs> and it's just arbitrary. The whole first two years line. of my career. <laughs> totally. And like, good for you. And that's a style. And like, go for it. That's not for me. Um, I think now I really do try to be more thoughtful. And actually, I think another big thing is like spending time looking at my work. Actually, speaking of Stefan he is one person who really encouraged me to do that. He's like, the more and more you spend time with your work, you find things that maybe you didn't see before or something that you maybe thought was special originally. So, you know, actually isn't really that special hmm. um, and, and vice versa. Right. And I think that's also true. It's like, I can't speak for everyone, but for me personally, I've found that really sitting on the photos, going back to my drive and like looking through them again, not only do I teach myself something because I find things like, oh, you know, imagine if you had moved to the left or if you had taken this, you know, a little bit higher. So there's a part of it that like re-educates me or makes me aware of those moments. And then I think part of it too is, 
you know, just appreciating something that maybe you might, you may have missed had you not taken a step um, away from the work and then revisit it later on. Hmm. Well, good news for you being that it is, in my opinion, crystal clear that there is an incredible amount of intentionality behind your work, right? So like, even before I saw that you shot with a Hasselblad, right, even before I knew that I got to that point of your Instagram, I was like, these are all very thoughtful, there is an intent behind these images. And then when you start looking at your choice of medium film, your choice of tool, a medium format, slow fucking film camera, it now <laughs> frames the, the the picture of who you are as an artist and, and there is an immense amount of intention behind your work and it comes across without question at all. Um, yeah, no problem. I've often found that one of the reasons why I struggle with my art and sort of my place in the space is because like so much of our life is dictated ahead of time, right? Like you have a normal nine to five. I no longer do. I'm, I'm a full-time photographer. So like my days are different than they were five years ago, two years ago. Um, but that being said, we, there was so much of my life that was pre-planned, right? Like high school, college, good job, next job, car, the whole nine yards. And like, I'm okay. I picked up a camera now I need to have 5,000 followers and then 10,000 followers. Like you're always like looking towards the next step. Um, being that you chose a very thoughtful, intentional way about your work, do you look at those things anymore or is it more for you about the creation of the work itself? I think it depends on the day. Um, there are moments where, you know, the way it started again was always like, I needed to decompress. My day job is advertising. Um, I started in production and then worked for the last like five or six years in business development leading like very intense uh, pitches for, you know, a giant company, global agency. So it was around the clock. And when I had the luxury of a day off, I just wanted to get outside and walk. And mm -hmm. so that was like what I was doing all the time. Me, my music, my, my iPhone at the time, of course, that evolved into it being a camera in my hand or around my neck. Um, so I think there are still days now where I leave with no real focus or, as Stefan would say, point of departure. Um, I am just truly going out with nothing planned and I just really need to, like, decompress. Then there are other days where, whether I'm thinking about a specific series or I'm seeking a certain color or item or pattern uh, where I am maybe a little bit more focused in what I'm looking for, but it really just depends on how I'm feeling that day or what I need out of it um, for myself. So yes, I think there are days where, and actually I think those days where I don't have anything planned, it's a much more inward um, experience as opposed to a, a very outward and intentional mindset where it's like, I'm thinking about the background, I'm thinking about the lighting, I'm thinking about what I'm hoping will come in and out of my frame. Um, do you shoot with anything besides the Hasselblad? I do. I also have an M3. Oh, nice. Sweet. Um, and I have a Canon, which, you know, uh, unlike most like traditional photographers who know like every letter and number and series of their cameras, <laughs> it's a point and shoot digital cam camera. I personally didn't want to shoot digital um, for no reason other than I just learned on film those were the cameras I was, I taught myself with. And 
I bought the Canon because my <laughs> mentor was like, I need to be able to evaluate your work in real time. And I don't have time to wait for your, for your scans. So <laughs> go find a digital camera and get back to me. And that, that's, that was really what uh, the catalyst was for me getting a digital camera. So I have a point shoot Canon that that's I cool. hate to be clear. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. So, yeah. um, I, you know, when someone asked me how, how would I describe myself as like a photographer? I just say I'm a photographer, right? Like maybe I'll say I'm a street and documentary photographer, but you know, like from my work perspective, like I'm shooting on a digital camera. Cause like, you know, whether I'm shooting a concert or a brand shoot or a model shoot, whatever it is, I will take images for myself, which are film based, but like more or less, I need to have that digital component, but there's nothing more I hate than uploading an SD card to my computer and looking at 300, 400 images and being like, Jesus Christ, like there, that, that is not necessarily spray and pray. It's just like the workflow that happens when you shoot digital. But for me, from a street photography perspective, I try only to shoot street photography in film because there's intent behind it, right? It's there. It's a slower process. It is much more me focusing on my surroundings and what's happening. Um, so, mm-hmm. so obviously, I'm I'm in love with the fact that you do, you do the same thing. Um, yeah. Talk to me about like a confidence and yourself and your skills and how you know you're four almost four years into the the journey as a photographer um how is your confidence built in the work that you've created and like when you go out in the streets now you have your focus you have your sort of idea in mind or or maybe not you're just out to like decompress and work um do you feel fully comfortable in your skin as a photographer when you're out in the streets now i don't feel uh as scared or intimidated anymore Uh, i think before like approaching people or getting close to people or having conversations with them was intimidating. In fact, the first day of my mentorship, part of the exercise was my mentor was like, get closer. <laughs> I'm like, I'd like take a few steps. It's like, get closer, get closer. And it was hard. I realized how uncomfortable I was and that I was shooting from far away. And um, she really helped me break through that a fear. And now I, feel quite comfortable with it. I think, you know, in terms of the confidence in the work over time, I think now it's more about trying to really push myself in making something that doesn't feel like anyone anywhere could have taken it with anything. Street photography is tricky in that way because something that I might see other street photographers might see too. And so I think for me, it's really more about how do I create something that feels unique to myself and to the thing like that I see or my own experience or the thing I'm trying to communicate through my photography um, that quite frankly just isn't menial. There are days when I go through my drive after spending 12 hours or eight hours or 10 hours walking around and I'm like clicking through it on like I don't like anything and I, I spoke to my mentor about that and she's like well as you become a stronger and more skilled photographer you are more critical of yourself. And that is why you have, you know, friends or people that you work with. And, you know, not to say that they're the decision makers for you of what's good and not good, but I think it's helpful to have a community of people or getting involved in critiques or submitting your work because, you know, it helps to keep you from sort of creating that mindset of like nothing that you take anymore is any good. (laughs) Maybe other people don't struggle with that, but that's been the case for me. I think being able to have people who are, 
both critical and supportive of your work. So like being able to look at your work um, with with both a critical eye and then an eye to give you like positive reinforcement for like, this is good, but you can do that is probably the greatest thing that I've uncovered recently because it's helped me want to be better, right? Like, so having tough conversations about your work that you put a lot of time and effort into, and I think this photo is great, but someone might be like, you know what? This is like very easily replicatable. What are you trying to tell? And um, those conversations are are crucially important. Um, We talked about um, sort of like you getting closer and being more present in the scene. Um, Do you shoot with the 80 mil? It's the ADF2, I thought maybe. Yeah, it is an ADF2. So that's a little bit wide for a medium format perspective. And I have the same lens, so that's why I brought it up. Because when I, I've only gone out twice for street photography with the house buy, because it just, until I saw you on the streets of New York, I didn't know I could buy a neck strap for it and like have it be a functional tool um, in that oh, regard. Yeah. But the 80 mil is wide enough to where you, when I wasn't comfortable and I was super new to my journey, all of my scenes would be super wide, right? Like my subject wouldn't be in the foreground. He would be somewhere in the mid to background. And I'd be trying to tell a story with like a grander image because I was too afraid to get close. Um, And I'm surprised to hear that you had a similar experience because a lot of your work is very close. Um, what gave you sort of the boost? Was it talking with your mentor? Like what, like what was that process like for you to like be able to bring that wall down? Because you have some very close, you know, street photos of people who are not posing for you, right? They're just in the world, in the scene. So what was that process like for you? The process was hard. I mean, like I said, that first day she spent, my first day with her was literally morning to night. Um, and admittedly, when we went for a break in the middle of the day and we started talking about my fear of getting closer, like I, it actually made me tear up a little bit because I couldn't figure out why I was so scared. She's like, why is it so hard for you? Like, what's going on? What is this stirring up within you? I don't know what it was, honestly. Like, but it really scared me. It was like intimidating to get closer. I felt like people were looking at me like, who's this weirdo? Like, I, I don't know. It was a combination of things, but you know, I think she also taught me other tools where it was like, I wasn't hiding anymore. I think that there can be, and that this is not for everyone. I'm not generalizing, but you know, there can be a little bit of like, I'm going to shoot and like sneak a photo And she really was like, don't do that. Like you're carrying a big camera, put it up on your shoulder, like look them in the eye, smile at them, get closer. And she's like, you know, people are going to look at you and realize that you're taking photos and they're either going to be cool with it or they're not. Mm -hmm. And if they're not respect them and leave. And if they are hang out until they stop paying attention to you and then keep shooting. And I did that. And it was so liberating because you do realize how quickly, like people actually do not care about you. (laughs) No one's paying attention to you. They see you with the camera and they either, like I said, they'll tell you to stop or they'll look at you, they'll look away and they keep minding their own business. And they don't, they do not care that you're taking their photo. Yeah. Um, And it just, again, I think it just took me breaking past that fear. And thankfully to her, I did. 
That's awesome. I think there is obviously something to be said about finding your tribe and the people who are able to support you and help you grow as an artist. And it sounds like you've got that in spades. I mean, we literally met on Twitter, which is just so fucking funny how so many of these conversations has come from a place like that for me, which I think is great. Um, I, I like shooting on film because to me, there is like a tactile physical thing that exists if I die right like i read somewhere or saw some documentary where it was like on an on a daily basis there are more photographs taken than like exist in x number of years when photographers were only shooting on on film and that like really struck with me about leaving like a physical lasting impact behind right so that there is something beyond my iCloud account which won't exist the day after I die or God knows what will happen to it <laughs> um, that being said we met speaking about uh, the new digital frontier which is web 3 and the NFT space and I'm super curious what your relationship is like with that space and what your process has been like building the online community that you have as well as the 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 tangible um, steps that you've taken to sell your artwork as NFTs? Ooh, well, you know, it really, I'm a naturally curious person and my early career was actually in uh, product, you know, development. So I worked closely with engineers and built like really large enterprise platforms. You know, I led the projects, but working in close close partnership with those types of teams. And so technology and development and engineering are already, you know, areas that I'm always naturally curious about and I like to stay close to. So I think during the, the pandemic, when Clubhouse was sort of blowing up, as, a, as many people may recall, it was like all of the NFT spaces that were happening all of the time. And I would just listen to them in the morning. I would listen to them in the evenings. You know, it almost became like radio for me mm -hmm. as I was just sort of hanging out around the house. And what I always do, whether I'm watching a movie or I'm listening to something is like, if I hear something that's interesting or I want to know more about, I'm constantly Googling it. And so I found myself sort of in real time signing up for a MetaMask, like <laughs> creating a Gemini account. Like I signed up for all these things, Binance, I didn't even know what they were you know, learning as I was creating accounts that, oh, you're in New York, you actually can't do that. And like finding solutions and Googling them. And so it really started like most things for me out of sheer curiosity and wanting to stay close to something that's happening and evolving in tech and in engineering and I guess in finance as well. Um, and then in terms of like, you know, what it meant for me as a photographer, I was like, you know, I would really like to go through the process of minting and creating something just again, because I wanted to know what the flow was like. It all really started as a very functional curiosity and thinking about what is this technology or this, you know, um, token going to enable in the future. And it wasn't until I think earlier this year that I really said, okay, I'm going to do this now as a photographer. And it was less about, trying to understand it from a technical perspective and what it might mean in terms of future technology and future uh, functionality and actually like a utility and a means to share um, and sell my work. Have you sold any of your photos to date? I have. I That's have so sold. great. I actually, <laughs> yeah, I am so bad. I should look and see how many. I, I think <laughs> maybe four or five at this point. That's great. Um, but yeah, it is. And I think, you know, to, to sort of touch on the community aspect of it, um, 
I co-founded a Discord community of photographers with Noah Kalina and Pete Baker, who are both, you know, incredibly talented artists in their own right, amongst other things. And that has also been just an incredible way for me to, you know, embed myself in the NFT community, to meet other photographers that I otherwise maybe would have never connected with, actually even learn from. I mean, there's so many talented commercial photographers, artists, photojournalists in that space who have joined, who have taught me so much even about photography in general and, and the way in which they think about street photography um, and the values and the ethics behind it. So it's it's been just an incredible experience for me. You know, it's like, I don't think I went into it with the mindset, mindset of it being a cash grab, mm-hmm. which I know can sometimes be the case. I really went into it, again, out of wanting to understand it. And I feel just very lucky to have found actually a lot of community through the process. So that's awesome. I'm, I literally just downloaded Discord for the first time this week. So I'll have to figure out how to add that or whatever, because I'm, I'm super interested in growing like the people in my sphere and the conversations I'm able to have in this space, because it, it's like my creative fuel, right? Having these conversations with people about their work and what inspires them and what builds them up is what motivates me to create. Um, I dropped my first collection. I don't know if it was this week or last week. I can't remember. Um, and we, you and I had a conversation about the fact that I was what, doing what I, in my opinion, was a true one of one um, in that I was including the physical negative in the sale of the NFT. Um, suffice to say, I think I, so I, I've now sort of gotten to the point of my digital journey where I'm feeling a bit disenfranchised with the space. It feels like there's a lot of, negativity, a lot of competition and what felt like a place where everyone was rooting everybody on is not really feeling that way anymore. And it's sort of disenfranchising me just a bit. I feel like number one, I overpriced my collection considerably. And number two, I don't necessarily think, and I'm going to agree with you that there needs to be a physical component to the actual tangible NFT that I'm selling. Um, so you're right. Um, that being said, <laughs> I'm super curious what your sort of journey is going to look like in this space. Um, you are almost four years into your career as a photographer. Um, I would argue that you've reached the point where you could be doing this and should be doing this full time as your sole occupation, just based on the incredible uh, talent that you show as a photographer. Um, but what does your journey look like in this space and what does your path as a photographer, as a career look like going forward? I think, well, one, I want to just say to you, I, it, it breaks my heart to hear you having that experience in the NFT space, because just again, to quickly touch on one of the things I tell a lot of people, because I actually onboard a lot of women and actually men into the space too. But, you know, I do double down on women because I don't want to create yet another space that is, you know, dominated by male photographers, which is is already happening. So one of the things I always tell people when they get started is enjoy the process. Don't buy into the hype and don't allow yourself to become discouraged because Mm. I do think that there is such a frequency and a pace that can be felt on Twitter Mm -hmm. that people get sucked into and feel like they've got to keep up with. And, you know, that's exhausting. It's not sustainable. Some people can do it, but not everyone can. And 
I think it's a very quick for people to, or it can become a fatigue for people very quickly. Sure. So it's the keeping think, up with you know, the Joneses in the digital space, right? Totally. And it's the GMs and it's the vernacular. And mm-hmm. by the way, that's no criticism to the, to the culture and the, the, the language of it. I think that's great. And I, I love that that has happened naturally and organically and we see it spreading and there's a real culture to it. But I think that that's not for everyone. And so what I love again about the desire path community that we've created in discord is like, we are a sort of a, a safe space where we do want to support one another. There's an open studio where people can share ideas around collections and we help curate and weigh in and encourage people on their first sales and walk them through the process. And it's less about the hype and more about, you know, the friendships and the community and the support aspect of it. Um, and so I just, I wanted to say that because it, it bothered me to hear you say that you're feeling that. No, I appreciate and like, that. It's real. Like, I just, I don't want people to get turned off by it. Yeah. Um, it's very easy to be, right? I think yeah. when there, there, was a, there was a feeling some, probably the morning after where I was like, did I make a mistake in thinking that either A, my work was good enough to warrant this price, uh, that either B, the, the premise that because I'm trying to marry the physical with the digital that I'm some fucking hoity-toity person, right? So there's all this imposter syndrome, there's all this self-doubt that starts creeping into my head. And I've sat on it now for at least you know, a week and I like, you know, people were telling me delete the collection. There's no point in it being up there and like all this shit. And I'm like, no, nah, fuck that. Like I'm going to let the fucking collection live there. And if I sell one piece or I sell zero pieces, I don't give a shit. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. It's my work. It's my art. This is where it's going. I don't have to prove anything to anybody else except for myself, but that took five that's days. Right. right? Um, but yeah, I appreciate that. Obviously that's yeah. why we're here. Um, but yeah. talk to me about your, your own personal journey in the space and kind of like what you see your path looking like moving forward. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's vast. So one, I would say I like that it's so new and I think I've given myself permission to let it change. So first and foremost, I would love to continue to create work and sell collections and make NFTs but I think, you know, I also see myself as, as helping people that want to onboard and having conversations like this with people who maybe don't feel like they can have these conversations about the way that they're feeling. I love that we've got this growing Discord community of people. I think that I will continue to, you know, I'd love to find more time to actually invest in it. We have a team of moderators who are incredible and help us, you know, keep the community um, conversation going and, and guided and managed, but I would love to become way more involved in, you know, what's happening in Web3 in general. Like, yes, NFTs is an aspect of it. I am so excited for what will come. I think, you know, art, music, literature, publishing, all of those things are just the things we know of right now because it's the closest and most familiar thing to us in terms of usage and application. Mm -hmm. But as a person who's worked in, in development and technology, like I know there's already people who are like thinking about the next thing. Like, what does it mean for a marketplace? What does it mean for how we connect with one another? What does it mean for um, authenticity or, you know, uh, so many things. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I think like we've only scratched the surface of what, blockchain technology uh, will enable for us in in our day-to-day lives. So I think, you know, I'd love to, my, I would, nothing would make me happier than to continue to be involved in it, whether it's 
my next career move, um, continuing to stay connected to the Discord community, continuing to stay connected as a creator, all of the above for me. Um, yeah. From a photography perspective, um, if you met like a stranger for the first time, like, and you were like, hey, I'm Lynette, I'm a marketing manager, like, what would you say? Like, I'm a photographer, like, you meet a stranger in a bar, like, how are you introducing yourself? Tonight. I usually never leave my profession. Tonight. So do you say a photographer? <laughs> no, I never say that. I never call myself that. Yeah, you got to work on that. <laughs> I never say that. I guess I don't lead with like, I don't know. I, I suppose I wait until they ask me those specific questions. Yeah. Um, I think I that don't ever leave what I do for a living. I find it. I mean, yeah, like separate, like the nine to five from like the thing, like I was calling myself a photographer way before I started getting paid to make photos. Right. So like I, I had that total confidence, cocky, whatever you want to call it, belief in myself that this was going to be my mm -hmm. thing. And I did it way before I actually got paid for the very first time. Like, oh, yeah, fuck it. I'm a photographer. That's what I'm doing. Changed my Instagram bio, my Twitter bio, my Facebook. Everything's photographer. It was like five minutes after I lost my job in the pandemic. And again, you can't compare my chapter two with your chapter 10 or whatever it might be, but your work speaks to a person who has a skill set and an eye and an ability to create work that is, in my opinion, not paralleled by many New York City street photographers. There's there's emotion in your in your work. There is stories told through your frames that I think you need to start owning a little bit more. And I would love for you to tell me six months from now, I quit my fucking job and I'm 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 hitting the streets every day because that'd be awesome. Um, uh, but yeah, you're, you're super you. talented and I, 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 I want that for you. My, uh, my question for you based on that is, do you have like a dream? Like, do you have like a pie in the sky project to work on? Do you have a dream subject? Do you have a dream trip? Like what, what is like an, an evolutionary, you know, culminating point for you from a, from a photo perspective? From a photo perspective, I think is such a sad answer. I think just having the time to actually do it more often. Like mm -hmm. I think about what a luxury it must be for someone to be able to do that full time. Um, nothing would make me happier than, you know, to say like I work or I consult six months out of the year on, on certain projects. And then like the rest of the year is all me and it's traveling and, it's exploring new cultures and new, you know, places and people. And that would be the dream for me is to have more time just to actually dedicate to doing it. There are moments where I feel like even recently I said this weekend, I'm going to just, I want to go out uh, shooting because it's been a while since I've actually taken any street photos um, for, you know, myriad of reasons, but a lot of it is because I did start a new job in October. And so I think, the dream would be just, again, like the luxury of time and the ability to just do more of the thing that I love and that makes me really happy. I don't think that's lame. I don't think that's like a cop-out answer. I think that's pretty appropriate. I think that's like, I mean, that's what we all strive for, right? Let more time to do the thing we want to do and less time doing the things that we have to do. Um, so yeah. that's totally fair. Um, I, I mentioned earlier, I, uh, 
it's like these conversations for me are a little bit of a cheat code, right? Like these are the things that I steal from people for an inspiration perspective. Um, these conversations do something to my creative desire, to my um, drive to go out and make work um, that I, I wish I could put it into words, right? Just, but to just being ha- able to c- converse with a person who does the same thing as me has been tremendous for my ability to want to create more work. What inspires you? I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm inspired by, I think for me, again, and, and I hate to make this about women, but, you know, for better or worse, photography has always been a male dominated category. And uh, I think I'm inspired by the idea of not creating another space uh, or world or continuing to sort of carry forward that pattern. And, you know, I think about my own journey and how much self doubt I still am trying to work through every single day. I'm inspired by the idea of like, breaking that and you know again onboarding people into this space creating an environment where people feel comfortable not knowing all the answers asking questions that might seem dumb or intimidating and you know growing from other people in the community i'm inspired by helping women feel confident that they can do the same thing too um not being being intimidated by the process um yeah, I mean, yeah, that's I awesome. Know, is, that, is that a cop out? No, not at all. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, the <laughs> things. No, I think at the end of the day, the things that like build you up and inspire you to create are the things that they are, right? Like you know, it could be anything, anyone, the who, what, when, where, and why is in you know individual and individualized to the thing that helps us want to to build more. Um, one thing that right. I've struggled with a lot in the last couple of years, and I don't know if I if we, if I spoke about this in the space that we were in, but in the middle of the pandemic in 2020, I lost my job and it was like this roller coaster of emotions because I've been going through some anxiety issues within the role that I was working in. I was really struggling with my place in the company, in my life, in the world as everyone was during this pandemic. Yeah. But since I've, you know, through my photography cap on and I did make a physical gesture so Lynette knew what I was doing when I put that full-time photographer hat on and I started creating not just for myself but you know work that I was being paid and hired to do the way in which I measured what success looked like has been really almost impossible to peg down right so like I've had a hard time figuring out how I define success because so much of my career and my life Success was defined by dollar figures. So my question for you in your life, in your art, how do you define success? Um, so I think I'm having to ask myself a lot of these questions. Like what are, what are the things I think beyond my day-to-day work, which has been so key in how I've defined my own self, my role in the world, what I see success being much like you. It's always about that next title, that next role, that next pay jump, you know, and this is new to me. So I think even just, I think I started out actually telling you this was like, I've never had to answer questions like this from the perspective of an artist or a photographer, because I still struggle to even call myself that. So I think, you know, at this stage in my life, and I hope that it changes the next time we have a conversation is like success to me would be 
just not even thinking in that way anymore is like having a conversation like this where I can talk to you more freely and and openly about what drives me as an artist. Like the fact that I haven't even had the luxury to slow down and think about those questions would be like, you know, would be the thing I'd love to be able to do. Like success would be, you know, A, like I said, spending more time doing it, breaking through the self-doubt, really thinking through like, what is the thing I'm trying to say as an artist? What is my point of view? What drives me? You know, I, I again, like I just, I haven't even had the luxury of time to think about it. Um, that would be success for me in the short term is just those basics. I think, uh, I hope this comes as some sort of relief to you to let you know that I love that answer in that it is the most identifiable and relatable way to look at the thing that you do, right? Because for the vast majority of human beings, your life is defined by the thing that you do, right? So whether you're a teacher, a cop, a principal, whatever the fuck it might be, that is the definition of what you are, right? And it's funny, I, I recently read that like the the number one thing people do when they meet is like, hi, I'm John Pachuto. I'm an account manager. Hi, I'm John Pachuto. I'm a lawyer, right? Like that is, you. your name starts becoming synonymous with the thing that you do. And I think it's incredibly relatable for you to have those sorts of feelings. And that is, without question, something that I struggle with all the time. And I, I don't project it outwards anymore. I keep it inside that I'm like, John, but you're the photographer. You're a fucking fraud. I don't say it outside. I say it inside. But for you, I'm okay. glad that, you know, just the self-realization that that is a metric in which you will measure your success, that being able to be keyed into is going to allow you to get to that place. If you were like completely oblivious to the fact that these are things that are something that you want to strive to be able to associate as then you'd be fucked. But the fact that you can already be cognizant of the fact that these are things that you want to check off and, and be very mindful of, there's little doubt in my mind that, that you'll be successful. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, of course. Um, I like to spend the last bit of every podcast doing sort of like a rapid Q&A. Some of them are very easy. Some of them are a little bit more in depth. But my first question for you is, what is your favorite book? favorite i mean i recently read this book and of course i'm going to butcher the title now i think it's like the body the body keeps score or the body i think it's the body keeps score have you heard about this book i have not um it is a great book about trauma in general it sounds very exciting but it's <laughs> um it's not but no i mean it's important i think again like as we're working through uh our experiences how they define us what that means in terms of how we behave in our relationships in this world, not only with ourselves, but with others. And actually, I think as a photographer, the stories we're telling and, and what we're communicating through our lens is I'm working through trying to understand um, how all of those things sort of uh, come together and play a role, first and foremost, in me as a human being. Um, but also, I think, you know, as a photographer and as an artist. So, yeah. That's a great book. And I, again, I wish I could remember the, the, the author. I'll look it up for you. Okay, cool. Um, what's your favorite movie? You can give me a couple. Uh, my favorite movie? We could do the last movie you watched. The last movie I watched was Pig with Nicolas Cage. Did Stefan tell you to watch that? He did. He told me to watch that. That movie was so fucking good. Oh my God. It was so good. Incredible. I was astonished 
at Nicolas Cage's performance and we're going to have a conversation right now about the scene in the restaurant with the chef that it was i i've i've record like i literally held my phone up and i recorded that fucking scene on my phone and i've watched it a lot and a lot because it is what every artist needs to think about often because so i'm gonna just have to share it for people because nicholas cage in a way that I was not expecting perfectly keyed into the plight of an artist and in this case a chef and uh-huh. I was floored by that monologue and it it stuck with me a lot I've watched the movie twice now in two weeks since he told me to watch it which is fucking it was so good I've seen it twice as well but you know not that not to create a theme here but speaking of the book that I mentioned the body keeps score there's also a ton in it about trauma and like how you manage that and isolation. I mean, there were so many interesting themes and relatable themes in that movie that I just connected with and was like, at one point I'm watching it. I was like, is this me? Like, am I Nicolas Cage? Um, Cause at the time I was, I was like out in the sticks and like away from the city and like needed time to get away from the world. And it was just such a timely movie for me in that moment that he suggested it. And yeah, I, I highly encourage people who have not seen it to watch it. Shout um, out. Someone that is involved with that film needs to give Stefan Venasco a like bonus check or something because he's pimping that movie out and it's so fucking good. And I'm so glad that he told royalties. us. Yeah, he needs royalties. Exactly. <laughs> what uh, What is your favorite food? Mexican. Like tacos. I love tacos. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm very fucked in that. There is a really nice taco place across the street from me. It is like one of those high end taco places, so like it's like seven dollars per taco, and it's you know sm- the small ones, not like Taco Bell size tacos. Yeah. I go there like twice a <laughs> week. It's just killing my bank account, but it is so good, unbelievably. Good. I love tacos. Nice. Yeah, there are a lot of like. There's a hole in the wall taco place near me, and I might be keeping the entire business open. It's like my favorite. <laughs> My go-to are their tacos. That's awesome. Um, do you believe in an afterlife? My logical and like liberal arts educated brain says no. <laughs> My spiritual and not really religious but Jewish side says yes. Interesting. I don't know. Honestly, I, I think... I hope that if there is, that it's a cool, chill place and I make it to the good part. And if not, that's totally fine too. Like, <laughs> I just would love for someone to maybe keep the, the flowers fresh wherever I land. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I don't I, know. I look at I, I look at it in context of like, I don't necessarily, so like I'm, I was brought up in, you know, Catholic, Italian, all that good guilt that I'm sure you're very familiar with as well. Um I don't necessarily think there's like a good place and a bad place. Like I, you know, like the context of religion for me, I, I struggle with. But to 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 assume that we live a life and then that's it, the lights are off and that's it. There's nothing beyond. I think would be just like an incredibly depressing way to live a life. And I find it hard to believe that human beings morphed out of some like gooey substance in the fucking primordial ooze to this conversation right. today. And there's not something beyond. So, um, what is your biggest fear? not living a life or allowing myself to be happy. Hmm. I think happiness should always come from within and you should rely only on yourself to feel that way with the exception of people obviously who struggle with issues that maybe prevent them to feel that way. But 
I think it's important for me to always chase and pursue feeling happiness, not to a toxic point, but even in the most down moments, hardest days to always try to find something grounding from a perspective, you know, that reminds me that just being alive is such a blessing. Hmm, And I think that, you know, and I ask friends this sometimes where I'm like, are you happy? Or like, do you feel happy? And I don't mean it again in a toxic point of view where it isn't okay to feel anything beyond that. But I think just trying to always remind myself how fortunate I am every single day, even on the hardest days. Um, So my biggest fear would be losing that, losing that perspective and allowing myself to feel defeated or sad or um, like I need something more than what I have. Like, and just, you know, not, not, not recognizing how fortunate I am. I think that's really big fear. I think that's uh, incredibly beautifully said and uh, like incredibly important too, right? Because there's so many things that we can get wrapped up in on a daily basis and so many distractions in life and so many unknowns and pressures and being able to check in with yourself and just understand that, like, listen, if you're able to put a pair of AirPods in your ears in the morning or pick up an iPhone in the morning, you don't have real problems, right? We, we see what's going on in the world right now. And, you know, just being able to be alive, safe, happy and healthy is a luxury that I think too many people overlook uh, too often. I would uh, I would agree with you. And I think that's incredibly beautifully said. Thank you. What is the best piece of advice someone has ever given you? Mm, One thing that I had a former boss tell me, and it seems so short because it's just two words, was aim high. Hmm. And again, I don't want this to be like some toxic, you know, positivity moment, but (laughs) I loved that so much. I was like, man, aim high. Um, It feels generic. It feels cliche, but there's such a real truth to it. And especially for me, I think there have been many cases in my life and in my career where maybe I have sold myself short or thought that I wasn't, you know, equal to or as good as my colleagues or the people around me. I think that's also true in photography. Um, so I, I, I always remember those two words, aim high, um, don't sell yourself short. And I think that's. I don't know. I like it. I like it too. And I, uh, people give a lot of grief and a lot of shit to things that are like cliche or like over said, but there's a reason why they are a cliche, right? Because they're fucking true. And like everything happens for a reason. Yes, it's a cliche, but it's also fucking true, right? Because every moment in life begets the next moment in life and the choices that you make five years ago will not directly impact you being on the podcast with me today, but in one grand scheme way or shape of another it all leads you to the point of where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be. And uh, yeah, I like that. Aim high. I'm going to actually like put that on my mood board because I need to start doing a better job of, <laughs> of doing that. Um, 
My last question, um, give me a recommendation for something that you've consumed lately. It could be a book, a podcast, TV show, movie, um, graphic novel, just something that you have recently consumed that you'd like everybody to check out. No one is going to like this answer, but Genius, the oh, Kanye God. West documentary. <laughs> Sorry, everyone who's listening and hates Kanye now. Um, you I've know, heard good things. For, for so many reasons. I mean, I... I'm not excusing his behavior. There's certainly been a lot of bad behavior, but I also will not take away the fact that this is a person who very clearly is dealing with real, very real mental health issues. They talk about it in the documentary, but beyond those health challenges and those mental mental health challenges specifically, um, to see his trajectory as an artist, um, the fight, the ambition, you know, he really fought in the beginning against his record label who did very little for him. And you look back at it now and you're almost like they almost, they didn't even deserve the success that came from the college dropout Mm. because they did absolutely nothing to really help or reinforce it. And I just was so like, man, this, this man has worked really, really fucking hard and he's really smart. He's really creative. You know, even as I think there are moments where, you know, he, again, they address the, the topic of mental health in the documentary And for anyone who is familiar with mental health issues and, you know, there are some cases where a person who relapses, you know, every single time you sort of lose a little bit more of who you are. And, you know, I don't know his story, so I won't speculate, but I do think like, even in spite of all of those things, um, he just creates and he's constantly pushing the boundaries of what that looks like. Again, I don't always agree with some of the decisions mm-hmm. or some of the things he said in the outburst, but I think it was just such an, such an incredible documentary. I would encourage people to watch it with an open mind and an open heart and to take away the celebrity and just think of him as a, as a human being that, you know, doesn't have all this popularity. And it's, it was just, I don't know. I, I felt it was an incredibly powerful uh, docu-series. So yeah, that would be my recommendation. I'm definitely going to check it out because I have been in a relatable situation where I find a lot of his recent antics to be deplorable and difficult to rationalize. Um, you know, I, I was recently on a podcast and, and I made the argument that I wasn't sure if he was dealing with mental health or if he was just an asshole. Um, but I'm absolutely based on your recommendation going to take that, take a look at that because I think, that the way that you frame that gives me an actual desire to want to see it. So thank you for that recommendation. Uh, Lynette, um, I've got an extremely cheesy line that every time someone's been on my podcast, they're part of my family and uh, you are no exception. You are part of my family now. Um, I am incredibly thankful for the time uh, that you spent with me here today. Uh, I find your art incredible, the intentionality behind both of your words and the, the way in which you create photographs and art um, to be just uh, a really refreshing and uh, light sort of emanating place uh, that you are giving me. Um, and it's just been a, a tremendous honor to have you on the podcast today. And I'm incredibly appreciative of your time. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for your kind words and for your encouragement and for inviting me to be a part of this. And I just, again, I just truly appreciate that you've had me on your show. Oh, no problem. Have a great day. Take care. You too. Bye.